And now, rate that album, season three, with Paul Muadib and Joe Fremming, two guys who know stuff. Hi, and welcome to Rate That Album, the back and forth podcast about music albums and reviews with myself, Paul Muadib, and my good friend, Joseph Fremming. Joe, how you doing, buddy? Paul, my balls feel like a pair of maracas. Uh, did uh, Lucille mess up your mind, sir? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know she does that to people. Yeah. Better, um, better at the jack-in-the-box, Paul. <laughs> the jack-in-the-box. Yeah, that's what happens when Mary left you, right? That was right after you, you quit going to the, to the uh, Christian Youth Organization. Am yeah, I, am the right church social Mm-hmm. Yeah, with, organizations. yeah, with Father Riley, I remember him. <laughs> yes, <coughs> we are doing um, Frank Zappa's Joe's Garage. Before we even jump into it, Joe, I got to apologize. I was going through and doing some of our podcast editing, and the last couple of episodes, there was two things that stuck out to me, both my fault. Uh, number one, there was a popping sound that sounded like someone was snapping their fingers. Um, I have been vaping. And didn't realize that it's the sound it makes when I play with my vape. Um, that's this little click. And so that's on me. So that's going to stop. You won't have that going forward. And last episode, especially for some reason, um, my words were kind of slurred. Um, and that's on me as well. Um, I have been battling bronchitis and have been on cold meds. So I was not drunk. I wasn't anything like that. It literally was the cold meds that... Um, we were getting some slurring, so I apologize for that, my friend. No, don't worry, Paul. I was on so much heroin, I was nodding out. So good for you. Did you did you put on a diaper and put on the sitch? <laughs> um. So, Joe, we're getting into some. Um, I think uh, we've done a lot of bands over the years that have a lot of fervent fan bases. I think getting in the Zappa, we are tapping into probably. One of the top 10 that if we get things wrong or do things or say the wrong things, we are going to get jumped at. So I want to nip this in the bud right away. You and I talked a little bit about this off. And I think outside of Juggalos and a few other bands, there's not one that's as passionate about their um, you know, fans that would be of a band other than Frank Zappa. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah. When I, <laughs> I worked in record stores for 10 years, two different ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hated talking Frank Zappa to Zappa fans because I they're enthusiastic, which is nice. Mm-hmm. I like anybody's enthusiast, but it can be uh, it can be kind of toxic too. The fan Zappa's fan base really over the years turned me off of a lot of the music. I think after a while, mm-hmm. because they have like this mentality that if somebody doesn't like Zappa. They don't get it because they haven't listened to like 20 of his albums. Yep. I'm going to tell you right now, you can probably listen to two of his albums. You'll know either you like it or you don't. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> I'd say at least two. I'm not going to mm-hmm. do the 20, but he has such a wide variety. I like. I would say start with Joe's Garage. Mm-hmm. If you don't like this, maybe try one of his classical albums. Yep. Classical music albums. If that doesn't do anything for you, you're probably not going to like them. So 
I want to dig in on this because there's a couple of things that are happening here that I believe is part of the problem with the toxicity when it comes to Zappa's fan base. Um, number one is exactly that is Frank Zappa has, and I want to make sure I got this right. Um, and as of 2021, he has a total of 119 albums. Now I'm sure that's gone up. Um, in his lifetime, I believe it was like 50 he released, which 60, is all, 62, 62. That is, you know, a phenomenal amount of output from one guy, from one guy, from one guy, um, to put out 62 albums in his lifetime. And then 57 after he passed away. So this guy, I mean, Zappa started in 1966 with an album called freak out, which both you and I have said that we're fans of. Yeah. I, uh, a fan of. I basically like we'll get into it. I only really like two Zappa albums. I've mm-hmm. heard a lot like before people jump like I don't get I've heard it. I knew a guy when I was in high school, he'd play me Zappa all the time. I heard a lot of I heard Hot Rats, Weasel Screech by you know, whatever the face, mm-hmm. uh civilization face, like all this shit. I've heard it. A lot of it's not for me. I only like Freak Out and I only like Joe's Garage. So um yes. And I think we know the same guy, by the way, older gentleman, the happy hippie, the happy hippie. We know the happy hippie. Yes. Yes. He was a great dude. Uh, no, he, wasn't. he was a piece of shit. Oh, okay. All right. He was a piece of shit. Fair enough. I didn't have a problem with him, but you know, there you yeah, go. We, we can, can talk- I can go into details about how much of an asshole that guy was, but, uh, yeah, let's do that off, off air though. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so in preparation for this, I wanted to get a lot of things right, and I know I'm going to get some of it wrong. I consider myself a Zappa fan. Um, I like several of his albums, and I'm actually going to get ragged on by some of the fans. And this is something that I saw even going into – I was going through Reddit boards on Frank Zappa. Um, And one of the things I saw was, well, if you like this album, this album, this album, as a matter of fact, I'll just just say it. If you like Apostrophe, Joe's Garage, and uh, um, Shake Your Booty, you're not a Zappa fan because you didn't listen to Zowie Wowie and uh, uh, um, uh, Sofa number number one and two, and you didn't get into Zoot and like – and people are like, well, wait a minute. No, you need to get into shut your shut up and play your guitar. And you are what you is. And, you know, Chunga's Revenge and other people are going, well, the stuff with the mothers of invention was was better than this, you know, like this. And they're like, there's all these weird factions of it. And what people I think need to realize is and why this is happening is that Zappa was a I will equate him to the Hunter S. Thompson of music. This is a guy who was just out there and really stream of conscious, but was really, really, really talented. I mean, he was a composer, not just a musician. And he knew world music and he would go to jazz and he'd go to rock and he'd go to reggae and he'd go to Moroccan and he would travel the world essentially musically. And so that would be, I think, one of the big things is so you have people that maybe like, and I was looking at this stuff, I'm like, well, this is all the jazz stuff that Zappa did, and this is all the rock stuff that Zappa did, Zappa did, and this is all the reggae. So you have that. The other thing is 
politics, just like Hunter S. Thompson. Yep. There's a there's a lot of glorifying and misunderstanding of Frank Zappa's politics. Would you well, agree with that? Thing. Yeah, well, the thing is, like, with Hunter Thompson and Zappa, I will say that both were very contradictory in their politics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is like everybody on earth. Like I, everybody has their politics and it can be contradictory. Uh, I watched, uh, before this review, I watched the Alex winter documentary. On oh Zappa. yeah. Yeah. And like, that was a lot of the things like they talked about, like he would, he was so feverently anti-drug and all this stuff. And he, he would treat a band member so bad, but he was also, he would take a blind eye to people he liked more with mm-hmm. that stuff like it's just like it's everybody has these idiosyncrasies and uh zappa is one of them and thompson i think <sighs> and people just latch on to what they think this person stood for and they when really nobody besides the individual actual individual really knew it's just it's a mess and with zappa fans it's i should i i watched a reaction video Okay. Like Jamal. I shared that with you. Yes. Jamal's one of my favorite reaction guys. He's like this guy who just takes requests and he'll listen to music. And man, I was like, the review is good. I remember what I said. The review is good. Look at the comments. <laughs> I know. I know. It was crazy. It was crazy. You have all these people going, well, what about this? What about this? And I, and I want to nip this in the bud right now as well. We are not going to do another Zappa album. We have been making it a very good point not to go back. There are so many other artists and so much other out there that really what we're going is we're just doing a snapshot of an album and kind of discussing yeah. the a brief introduction, as it were, to the artist for you guys to you know listen to what we're saying. And hopefully, I, I even if we recommend it or don't, I hope you're at least checking out the music and the stuff that we're talking about, whether we like it or not, so that way you're broadening your musical horizons. And frankly, this is his most accessible album, in my opinion. Agreed. Again, I haven't listened to all 120 of them, but I've listened to like probably 30 or 40 of them in my time. This Mm -hmm. is probably his, for me at least, this is the the, most coherent. It definitely is his more straightforward, I believe, in that case. Yes. Like the songs are for, I think, are strong. Mm -hmm. Stronger, and it's like, I don't think it's, yeah, it's the fan base really soured me, and I, if and if you're upset listening and hearing that, like I'm sorry if I offend you, but it's what it is, man. <laughs> People, it's 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 legit. It's like, I, fandoms are like that, like you know, you get especially when you get into Zappa's politics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a guy who was going to run for president before he died. Yep, he was in front of the PMRC. He was. If you're going to pigeonhole him at anything, it'd be libertarian. Yep, he was not woke. <laughs> no, no, he was not. Um, and let's 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 dive a little bit into that because I do see a lot of people on both sides. For whatever reason, we have to political politi- uh, politicize things. It's just the world we live in, and it's the way Reddit is, and it's the way forums have become. It's just deteriorated deterioration in my point of view. And actually, Zappa would be absolutely appalled at where things have gone. Well, from what everything I've read from Zappa. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you liked his music, great. If you didn't, it was no big deal to him. No. But it seems to be a big deal to his fans. Yeah. Like and he couldn't care he could care less if you like, oh, okay. But if you liked it, yeah, he was probably happy you enjoyed his music, you know. 
Which is weird to me because Frank Zappa fans also, I think, are really, really guilty of gatekeeping, right? Yeah, yeah, they've always, it's, it's, yeah, it's, again, when I worked at the Electric Fetus, it'd be like, somebody bringing up Zappa, I was like, I was like Switzerland, I was neutral. Like, mm-hmm. no opinion. Yep. And I think that's I want to go down that rabbit hole, man. <laughs> I think that was a smart way to do it, especially when you're you know in that in in that space, right? Yeah, you now, can't leave. <laughs> yeah, no, I do want to. They bring can, up, but they're not gonna. <laughs> and, you know, there, there's a couple of things that we can that we can say about Zappa definitively. He started libertarian. He was Republican, and by Ronald Reagan's presidency, he had change himself to be a registered Democrat. Um, so th- whether you like it or not, those are the facts about it. Um, Zappa, you know, one people bring up, you know, he was on CNN's Crossfire saying, you know, I'm a conservative. You may not like it, but that's what I am. But then you see him going against what they were conservative, which is essentially the start of libertarianism. Um, also, Zappa, and we'll talk about it in one of these things, he was, uh, there's terms and things that he was using Back then, that you know, people are kind of claiming now, a very, very fascinating individual in terms of just how unchained he was and unabashed in what he did. And let's talk about anti woke. You know, one of the big things I also hear on him is Frank Zappa was uh, homophobic, and um, that's not really the case. Frank is on record saying he really didn't care. It's just, as we've talked about with previous things, it was the time. It was more of what we talked about with um, uh, NWA, right? It's just what you call people. It's what you did. It's what you compared them to if they weren't those things. As a matter of fact, he was a big fan of of Barney uh, Frank um, and said he's a wonderful role model for the gay community. Um, so, you know, he wasn't in that way, but he definitely was not woke and was not afraid to throw things out there for the sake of throwing it out there. Would you agree with that, Joe? Yeah. And people's views change. (laughs) 65, not a whole lot of people were accepting to the gay community. So that's what it was. Like, I, (laughs) I wasn't there, you know, like that's just how it was. You can't change history, I guess. Yep. And the other thing that people say is he was a womanizer. I want to actually want to pull up this quote of 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 Zappa on this, uh, where he says, uh, "Women, um, there's more of a stigma to being a smart girl than there is to being a smart guy. Women need to stop making themselves stupid." Um, yep. And but this, he was a womanizer. Let's not. But yeah, yeah. Let's not mince words. Let's not mince he, words. Like he yep. would have his wife buy penicillin pills for him when he got off tour. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, yes. Let's <laughs> yeah. Let's call a spade a spade here. But what I want to make very clear was, it's not as insidious as people I think feel it was, or as outrageous as people feel it was in terms of him being absolutely. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, absolutely uh, appalling or did not respect or, or terms of, of, of womankind and that type of thing. I think that has been blown out of proportion. I'm not forgiving him for bullshit he's done, 
but definitely there were nods in his interviews and things like that, that he was just anti-stupidity in general. And anything he felt was stupid, that invoked the ire of what was Zappa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, let's, you saw the documentary recently. What do you want to put in that you know about Zappa in ter- before we get into the actual album itself? Uh, I mean, I guess people could watch it themselves <laughs> because, uh, you know, it's a, he was a weird guy who made weird music. He had, he was a walking contradiction like everybody else. Uh, you know, he didn't, uh, he was jealous of other people's uh, musical successes while at the same time he didn't even really go out of his way to try to be musically successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he is like everybody else, a bunch of contradictions in one person. Yes, uh, completely agreed. Uh, so basically, Joe, you got in that. I mean, he got a lot of his, you can tell, Zappa was, um, was you know, um, an older guy at this point. I believe he was born in 40 uh, during World War II. Yes, 40. And a lot of his influences was the jazz music of the time, which you can definitely hear throughout his mm-hmm. um, yeah. career. Jazz, R&B. R&B got him into playing guitar, I believe. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, so one of the, one of the Self-taught things. Self-taught himself. Yeah, he's self-taught. He's completely self-taught. When you look at that and what he did, and we'll get into it a little bit more on this album especially, that's really crazy. Um, I strongly recommend, you know, we had talked about Freak Out uh, after I picked this album. And you're like, oh, man, you know, Freak Out. And Freak Out, I think everyone should listen to because it was put out in 1966. And when you hear the lyrical content and the musical content, that is what really, when people say Frank Zappa was ahead of his time, I really think that's what they're zeroing in on. Yeah, he was, it's, like, it's a year before Sgt. Pepper and Piper at the Gates of Dawn, but it, it's very much in line with what Psychedelia became Uh-huh. before yep. it was really picking up. Yep, and which is interesting because, again, Zappa was very anti-drug, um, which is yeah. just hilarious. Uh, and you look at the lyrical content. He was talking about the downfall of America um, in in terms of economic status long before people were. Really, really interesting uh, thing. He lived in New York for miles with uh, with the Mothers of Invention, which is kind of important because um, a lot of Frank Zappa's work in lyrically is a, a running theme of it is being very autobiographical. He wrote about what he knew and what he went through. Uh, of course, you know, we get into things, you can look into this yourself, but he hung out with Captain Beefheart. Yeah, Alice Cooper. <laughs> yep, Alice Cooper. He reformed the mothers. He started getting in the films, 200 hotels, 2,000 hotels? Uh, 200 motels, 200 motels, excuse me. Um, <clears throat> and... Wasn't he on uh, the? He was on the monkeys at one point, which is yeah, just he's in the movie movies. Head. Yep, he's in the movie Head, which is wow for the monkeys. Uh, interestingly enough, in 1971, uh, he um, he uh, got injured. An audience member um, guy was pissed off that his girlfriend was enamored with Zappa on stage. That the guy knocked him off into an orchestra pit 
and crushed his larynx. And Zappa thought he was not going to be able to sing again. He was in a wheelchair mm-hmm. uh, for almost almost a year. And that is why when you listen, there's kind of this vocal change in the 70s. That is something that really occurred there. And actually, there's a brief period there where he only did instrumentals. And one of the big reasons why was because of the crushed larynx and the change of his voice. So he was relearning this guy again relearn how to sing essentially uh after that um there was problems with warner which gets mentioned in this joe's garage album he starts his own label in 1979 which is when this album came out uh with uh chic your booty and then this one um he got really political in the 80s we've talked he was one of the three big people in the pmrc battles which i think is fascinating because he got to the real root of it, which was a tax. <laughs> yeah. And no one else was going there. And Frank Zappa called them out 100% on what that is. Yeah, he was pointing out that it's like they're infringing on people's First Amendment rights in order to protect children from ideas, shit like that. Mm-hmm. My, my favorite lines from that is when he says they were dealing with dandruff by decapitation. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating stuff, right? Like, again... There was this thing to him, and I think, regardless, we had a, you know, I don't think everyone would have made it in this presidential one, but I think he would have been interesting in, in terms of politics and advisory over the world. Um, he eventually passed away of cancer in 1993. Um, so, you know, again, we're going to kind of get into that, but let's jump into Joe's Garage. And this is something that features a prominently throughout the album a recording technique that Frank Zappa was doing back in 1966. Yeah, he was doing it on Freak Out. He was doing it on Freak Out, which is I called... Think. I don't yeah. know. Don't quote me on that, Zappa fans. I'm. It's, according to my research, he was doing it on Freak Out, which is called uh, Zeno... A crony is... I don't know how to pronounce it. Basically, even. he's taken live recordings and like live solos and putting it in a different context, right? Yeah, well, so it, it goes even beyond that. There's there's some there's some really interesting. So you'd have like a beat where it's like 11/4 because he really liked 11/4s and some weird odd beats. And he couldn't do it live in the studio, but what he could do is essentially l- use this this recording technique and snap it like even like in the place so you'd get this weird rhythm that would work so you have like this 4/4 four, four rhythm from the rec- from the live recording to this beat that was going on it was fascinating stuff i would honestly it'd be interesting to see what he would have been able to do if he hadn't died with uh pro tools oh my god i think i think we'd all are you know we're all missing out on that i think he would have been a real yeah yeah i mean there's there's some artists out there that have done some really cool stuff like uh imogene heap um who's done some really cool stuff with musical innovation but i think frank you put frank zappa had been around when digital and pro tools and that type of thing was around ableton i would love to have seen what he could have done He's, with it zappa's splicing tape like mm-hmm. you have to be very precise it's very time consuming 
Right. And this is the other thing that we'll get into when we get in the album. So let's just jump into it. Uh, I want to make, I'm not going to go into, I don't think, I, I, I know I'm not, you can if you want to, Joe. Joe's Garage was released in two parts. It was released when Joe's Garage, Act 1, and then about six months later, Act 2 and 3 came out together. And then later they put it all out together as 1, 2, and 3. Um, there is liner notes. There is a story being told. There are people that are singing into it. Uh, I will just say that uh, Fembot in a wet t-shirt, which had a different name when it was released on the uh, when it was released on album versus when it came out in CD. For whatever reason, they changed the name. The announcer is Father Riley, who got kicked out of the church and is now working at this you know radio station bar thing. Um, so there's a whole list of like reoccurring characters and themes and things like that that's going on in Joe's Garage that is in the liner notes and it kind of explains more of the cohesive story. However, we didn't dig into that when we did Lamb on Broadway and I don't feel like it's fair to dig into it here because you can't see those liner notes anymore and really you got to look at even, I didn't even look at the liner notes cuz I listen to the streaming. I own the CD, but I didn't even bother looking yeah. at that. And again, I'm going to be the Tony Banks here. Yeah, please uh, do. The concept is the weakest part of this album. <laughs> well, and there's a there's definitely a reason for that. So when they were doing Joe's Garage, it started with just being what Frank was doing for a while there, where he was putting out singles. He was putting out in one one. He was putting out two tracks, one in A, one in B, and putting them out in the tiny, you know, whatever, like an A track or whatever, and throwing these things out there as singles. Well, they started working on Joe's Garage and a Crew Slut, and Frank, when they're in there, was like, "Wait a minute, we got something here," and they started doing these other songs. And a lot of these songs are actually songs they are working on and performing live, you know, years beforehand that Joe, that um, Zappa was like, well, this could fit in here. And that's one of the big complaints that you hear from Zappa fans is it starts as this concept album about the end of music and goes into this weird sexual revolution thing and then gets back to the... Uh, the music portion of it instead of saying cohesive there. And part of that is Frank had all this material and was like, well, we can put this in here and we can make it like this and we can change a lyric here and we can make it part of this bigger overarching story. And I think Zappa went way overboard in terms of trying to create this story and lost the plot. I will completely agree on that. Yeah. And it's a, yeah, it starts and then it just uh, it just gets so stupid. The the plot. If you're listening to this album, and you're following it as like a concept. It goes into stupidville, <laughs> and it doesn't it doesn't go back for me at least. That's why it's just like when I listened, like I first like three times I listened to this with the the concept going in my head. And then yep. after that, I would just blank out during the central scrutinizer shit and just like listen to the music which is a lot stronger than that the theme of this album yes so i personally feel that what was act one but the first eight songs uh which would have been a just a fine concept album yep right there, right there. it's after it's after <laughs> it's after track eight it loses me man 
And that is not because it's too weird. Like I fucking love weird shit. I love John Waters movies. Fuck it. It's not like I'm not like turned off because he's having sex with a fucking an appliance. It's just it's just it's not cohesive with what came before. There is a there on on a particular Reddit forum. I went at there were several people that said when it gets to acts two and three, it definitely feels bloated. Yeah, uh, and a part of it is a lot of people believe that there was songs that just never made it to a Zappa album, and they just figured out a way to work it into this that they were doing live. Um, just cram it in there. Just cram it in. Just cram it in there. I personally enjoy keep it greasy, Paul. Keep it keep, greasy. Keep just it greasy. Cram it in. Yeah, I and I think that right there in Act Two. The, Side B, which is called the prison section, that to me is the part that loses me the most. I think he could have done something a little bit more cohesive about that because, again, just like the last album we did with John Lennon, I agree with a lot of what Zappa is saying here and kind of the, the, the story and the tone of it, but it's the presentation that fucks up. Um, so the overarching story before we get into it is essentially there's a guy who starts off in a garage band uh, doing, you know, music from the fifties and sixties and, um, they're doing well. And then they get pulled in the record business and the band can't handle it. And they break up. And then, you know, there's the sexual exploits of what's going on about well, let's know, just talk, the whole band part is just in one song. Yeah. The whole band parts <laughs> in one song. And then it goes to Joe. Uh, if you think this is an album about uh, the, Joe's band, no, it's done after one song. <laughs> done after one song. Then it's just what happens to Joe after he gets, after the music has ruined his life, essentially, and everything else, and then how music is ruining the life of those around him. This really came out, uh, surprisingly, even before the PMRC. Zappa saw the writing on the walls with a lot of government uh, and lyrical concerns, especially from the far right. Uh, Zappa was not a fan of church and religious interference on freedom of speech. He felt that it was very, very disgusting, was very against it. Um, and really one of the big reasons why he, before he died, turned to, uh, turned to uh, Democrat was actually because um, Ronald Reagan brought out Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, who Frank Zappa saw as con artists and liars and went, well, if this is who the Republican Party is embracing, I don't want to be a part of it anymore. So that was the big thing, because you think about it, he was pissed off at Al Gore and Tipper Gore, and a year or two later became a Democrat. So that's how much he hated religion and things like that. So there's those tones there. Then it cuts to how um, he makes mistakes and ends up finding religion getting fucked over by it and then getting into prison and then coming out and being completely broken. This is what Frank Zappa saw as the American average life. You start out doing what you want to do. You're optimistic. You do your thing as a teenager. Then society shames you for doing what you wanted to do in, in your teenage years and your twenties. You find religion and you make mistakes. You get beat down. You go to prison. You get put in institutions, et cetera. And they come out and you are a cookie cutter of what they want you to be. That was all what this album is about. Except it's presented as a cartoon. It's presented very much as a cartoon. It's, uh, it's another thing I think I really kind of chapped Zappa's ass because he was always seen as like a, a 
comedy music. Absolutely. But he did it to himself. Like, you know, and that's another reason, like, I have, I have struggled with Zappa's music. Uh, it's just like it, like you said, it's, per, it's based on his personal things, but I don't feel it because it's done in such a cartoonish way a lot of times. Absolutely. That's my opinion. No, it's. It, it to me, it's very much the Gonzo effect, right? That's yeah. why that's why I equate it to Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, you know what was real, what wasn't. You know what was the real exploits? Yeah. It was this overly cartoonish. Yeah, he, take he tells us tells a story and like, and it's like a cartoon mixed with a a 1950s, 60s B movie sci fi thing, mm-hmm. which is like it's fun, but it's not like something I'd want to sit down and listen to a lot. <laughs> no, uh, <coughs> it's just how I am. And it, but yeah, it's just, you know, I mean, he, I'm sure pissed him off, but he also did this. Like he, <laughs> nobody forced him to write. Don't eat the yellow snow, man. Like he mm-hmm. did it. Yeah. Valley no, girl. <laughs> Valley girl. Although I think, yeah, Valley girl, although it was trying to make a valid point, it was just done in a cartoonish manner. My guitar wants to kill your mama. Yeah. But uh, I mean, he put out an entire Catholic girls, <laughs> Catholic girls, which is on this one. Crew slut, which is on this one. Why does Stick it hurt it. when I pee? <laughs> yeah. Why does it hurt when I pee when it's on this one? Uh, dong work for Yuda, which is on this one. <laughs> a, a token of my extreme, which is on this one. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. So, the album, Joe, let's let's get into it. starts with the central scrutinizer setting up the plot. Yep. Uh, like I said, the least favorite part of the album is the central scrutinizer uh, narrative. Mm-hmm. It goes too long. I mean, this is three minutes of exposition. That, yep. Uh, it, again, it's in the liner notes, so. <laughs> yes. One thing I will say that I love about this album, and which is crazy, is because it was done independently in Zappa's own uh studio which wasn't all that impressive of a studio from what i understood and saw i mean it was it was not a it wasn't like a shack but it wasn't like the big ones you know frank zappa had made some money but he wasn't overly uh rich like some of the other musicians were is the production work on this album i actually really 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 enjoy Frank Zappa's production work on this album. It's very well produced. That's uh, he did very well with what he had. And mm-hmm. I mean, this is a guy who would lock himself in the studio for days mm-hmm. to get shit done to the point where like his daughter had a slight a note under the door saying, Hey, I live in this house. <laughs> It'd be nice to meet you. Yeah. Which yeah. resulted in Valley Girl. <laughs> yeah. He invited his daughter on do a song with me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, then we but get yeah, such a scrutinizer sets up the plot, introduces us to Joe and how the government is very minority reportish. Yep. Um, yep. That they're per- they're uh, enforcing laws that haven't been written yet. So you got some of that nice right wing paranoia going. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And then we get into Joe's garage, which is a nice fifties starts right. as in this is my favorite song on the album. Oh, it's a I good song. It. It's I a, love this album because it it tells such a coherent tale. In, yeah. What is it? Six minutes. Yep. Six yep. minutes. Yeah. You like you get a beginning, a middle, and an end. Like, and it's based off of uh, I believe it was him and people in his band like shooting the shit about how they started off like getting into music. Yep. And playing, and so they kind of 
he just threw this together, man. Like it to me, this is like one of those perfect songs where it just encapsulates it, and it's just like, man, I wish the whole album was as coherent as this. Yes, I completely agree with you. What I what I love about too is he it goes through the the thing of time where it starts off like you know kind of yeah. old timey and then he talks about getting in the go-go and like the styles and stuff <laughs> that he does in six minutes and kind of showing the flow of time with the changing of the style of music is the details really... of the lyrics you know setting up the you know it was like an old dodger the beat up door like you're getting you're getting uh imagery you're getting imagery yeah absolutely. very good storytelling and he was a very good storyteller Elite, you know, he was like, I think he just took it to other levels sometimes and made for good or ill. <laughs> but yep. like this, uh, this song is like, it's probably like my favorite in that of his, and that it's just, it's got such great imagery and it changes, but yet still has like that really catchy uh, melodies. D, 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 D. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I do like you know how he how he makes fun of the record industry in this one you know yeah um, you know it wasn't a guy from a company we can't name which was Warner it was it was <laughs> Warner it was Warner let's let's just call it for what it is some of it's a lot of biographical with the mothers of invention yeah yep absolutely and you know part of the thing with his prison was part of his stint when he was in prison and how he felt um, being you know withdrawn into himself while he was in prison isolated but we'll get to that so. Yeah, and then I do like, uh, you know, again, this was done on tape, and just the attention to detail, even when they're bringing in the SWAT team, coming in the police, yeah. you know, <laughs> and and the and the neighbor, the K, like this is a Karen, you know, yeah. back in 1979, he used to cut my grass. He was a very nice yeah, she boy. Comes back. The neighbor comes back. The neighbor comes back, and it's fantastic. And of course, he goes to jail, and what do they tell him to do? Go to church do social activities be a you know com, you know this is part of that thing and then a nice we go little conformist yeah be a nice little conformist which gets us into catholic girls <laughs> which is i love <laughs> this is another set. like again like the first eight songs on here are probably the strongest for me yeah because uh, yeah. after a while it's it like jam bandy ish which i enjoy but like when it gets in the jam bandy ish then i just kind of stop paying attention to the concept and it's just, it's not as strong material, but yeah, Catholic girls. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> so the little mustaches. I was going to say, there's no way to get around this. Uh, this, this is not woke at all. Um, right away. Well, the next song too, man. Oh, the next uh, song. I, that's uh, the next song. I'll get into it, but that's probably the most problematic I have yeah. on this album. Oh, I I think we could get even get the more problematic with uh, Cyborg, but we'll get there. <laughs> or, uh, <laughs> keep it greasy. Yeah, keep it greasy. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, but Catholic girls with their tiny little mustache, you know how they go in the rectory basement. Father Riley's a fairy, but it don't bother Mary. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, basically pointing out the, um, uh, the stereotype that Catholic girls – um, were sexually repressed to the point where they were putting out and having sex in order to get away from, I mean, this is just an old, if, if you know about it, you know about it. Like this was a thing. And I, I think it still is considered a thing. Well, uh, it was kind of like when we were in high school, like Catholic, Catholic school girls partied harder than most of the people at our 
janky ass school. I can attest to that. I, I, I have stories I could tell off, off air. I cannot tell them on this podcast that I had with uh, Catholic girls. And I can say that I don't think that there's, that there was at least in my experience. And again, that's how stereotypes work, right? In our, yeah. in my experience, this is what I experienced. I can't say everyone else did. Did they have mustaches, <laughs> Paul? What's that? Did they have little mustaches? Uh, one did. <laughs> <laughs> one did. I'm not going to lie. One did. Um, so, yeah, it gets into, like, and again. This was like a, like a minor, like, single hit for him, too. Which it is was. Wild. It yeah. was Joe's Garage. Joe's Garage was played on radio. Joe's Garage was played on radio as well. Um, and this was played on radio. And I think Why Does It Hurt When I Pee was played on Dr. Demento. Yeah, I think uh, that was like more of the FM of the 70s would play, 70s, 80s would play Why Did It Hurt When I Pee. College yeah. radio. College radio, I think, still does. Yeah. So, and again, there's a lot of like characters and different voices in here. Again, in the liner notes, it explains who those people are. I'm not going to get into it. Um, but yeah, this is essentially talking about how Joe does what the does what society says and goes to this church and starts having getting blowjobs from Mary and impure thoughts, Paul. And, and pure thoughts, think pure thoughts. And then we get to the next one, which is she doesn't show up to <laughs> one night to the Christian youth organization, the CYO. And Joe, why is she not at the CYO. Because she was sucking cock. <laughs> in the face backstage at the armory in order so, to get a yeah, pass. This song, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, he's so, trying to play both sides. He is. He's very much mocking this mentality, but I feel he's also punching down on Mary. Correct. And I, that kind of... It, I thought it was funny the first time, and like each time I hear this song now, it, it rubs me the wrong way. I agree. I actually oh, do it agree. It feels with like you. he's mocking her, and it gets worse with Fembot in a wet t shirt. I mean, it's just like, yeah. Yeah, guys in the bands of this time were taking advantage, and, you know, women were sexual beings, and, you know, this shit happened. But it feels like he's really making fun of him and which is hypocritical because he parlayed in these sorts of scenarios. hundred percent, hundred percent Joe. And yeah, I mean, when he starts it off, it's like, you can tell, you know, it's, Hey, all you girls in these industrial towns, you're probably getting tired of the local clowns. They never give you respect. They never treat you nice. So you know, try a little friendly advice and be a crew slut. Like it starts off with him mocking the musicians and then it, flips over yeah to him mocking mary so yes he's playing it both ways but it feels like to me it punches a little i think it punches a little too hard because mary punches in, in, down which is i don't like i don't like punching down yeah no you no i know you're not i definitely know you're not and i feel like it is punching down because Mary is played very cluelessly. Yeah. Like she has nothing going on, but I, so you start to feel more in, you know, more about it, but you also got to look at the sleaziness of what the record person was doing. Yeah. But 
It's and a way of life. It's and and it's funny how he's pointing out the band Toto for this, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is in the in the line notes. It, the band it's it's Toto. It, it's Toad O, which yeah. Um, and uh, I I I actually had to look up what a Telefunken U forty seven was. I didn't. I thought it was like some kind of like submarine. <laughs> no, it was a revolutionary microphone from. So that's why it looks just like a Telefunken U-47, which I did not realize it was a microphone made in the 40s. Did you know that? Nope. No, I had no fucking clue either. Um, So, yeah, um, there is – it's a rough one. Uh, Yeah, and and it followed by an even rougher one. Followed by an even rougher one. Um, Yeah, so Mary was enticed away from Joe by an evil barbarian with a wrench in his pocket. Lured into a life of sleazery, and she needs to get home. And to get home, she decides that she is going to do what, Joe? Wet t-shirt contest. Wet t-shirt contest. Going off for mammalian protuberances. <laughs> mammalian protuberances. Uh, <laughs> Which is like such a dork way of saying tits. <laughs> yeah, yes. I, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Mary's dumped after, um, you know, basically, uh, it says, you know, um, in in the liner note. You know, I mean, it's, yeah, they didn't treat Mary well. (laughs) They didn't treat Mary well, and 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 again, I don't want to get into it, but basically, the band dumps her off, and now she's trying to get money. Um, She's mocked again by... uh, it's the priest, right? Dude. It's the priest. Yep, it's the priest. So, yep. Like joking about how she, her, she's getting raped in the tool shed by her dad and shit. Yeah, it's and but I also want to point out that he's also it punching at MCs at this time that he did not have a lot of respect. You know, this was part of the way a lot of these, um, you know, the way you listen, the way he does it. He's like, like making fun of what was radio. And yeah. people like this at the time. Yeah. So. Yeah. Still yeah. I mean, punching down though. <laughs> uh, no, I I completely <laughs> agree. I completely agree. He's punching down. Um. Yeah. It because he you know and he's pointing out I think also in this one the fact that people are getting excited about a wet t-shirt contest yeah. and just how ridiculous that is. Um, it is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous because uh, he, he 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 points out in in in, in this lyric when the water gets on them on their nitties uh, get on them their nitties get rigid looking so pretty bold it's a common reaction that makes it an attraction whenever it's cold and he points out it's a common reaction like mm-hmm. something as benign as this is getting the fellas out of control and he's kind of making fun of them by saying you know i think it serves them right we know you i know you want someone to show you some tit big ones wet ones um yeah and then you get the whole speaking thing and the kind of the solo and mary trying to get home on the bus yep which is where you know we get a, and the and the you know which is uh get into the solo aspect of it um where we learn that uh joe is devastated and starts dating a girl named lucille who he meets at the jack in the box he falls in with a wild crowd paul falls in with a wild crowd he leaves the church which never should have done 
because but it's Joe's fault for leaving the church. And again, Frank Zappa is very poignant on that. It's Joe's fault for leaving the church. And he falls in with a rough crowd and starts dating Lucille. Well, not even dating, but just fucking Lucille. It just says like a one night stand or something. Yep. Yeah, it's like a one night stand, which leads us to Joe. Why does it hurt when I pee? Boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> this song is hilarious. <laughs> this, is, this, song. this is a song that's going to go on a on a mix of mine. <laughs> yeah, yes. I love this song. So it's so much. stupid. It's such a, such a stupid song about getting beady. <laughs> it is. And, and the story goes that it was someone, uh, like a roadie or someone on the team, that was something that came out of their mouth, like, like just kind of was like, hey, guys, why does it hurt when I pee? And Zappa wrote a song about it. Well, again, Zappa had gotten BD from tours, too, so that's not like he was unfamiliar with the Absolutely. results of these sorts of things. Absolutely. I, I just, I just, I love this song. I don't want no doctor to stick no needle in me. It jumped right up and grabbed my meat. I got it from the toilet seat. Yeah. Uh, my boss you didn't really... get it from the toilet seat, Bubba. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was the old. That was the old. That was the thing. old urban myth. You could get yep. it from a toilet. Seat. That was the old urban myth. Yep, yep. You wanted the you Hubbard because you could get it from a toilet seat, and uh, his balls feel like a pair of maracas because he's got the Gano Coco Caucus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is like it. This song I love, and like, again, it, it, it's the irreverent fucking stupid humor that like really i i probably gravitate more with zappa stuff absolutely no <laughs> like, this... like you can do like the most sophisticated or weird or whatever but like why does it hurt when i pee man and yeah. like joe's garage and like just... <laughs> and i and i will admit there's songs there's a lot of songs that sell them i can't play in front of my kids i did play this one and they giggled their asses off because they don't know what he's singing about. They're just hearing why does it hurt when I pee, and it just sounds funny to them, right? They have no idea. Yeah. Uh, so I always hope they don't know. <laughs> yeah. I could really be failing at parenting right now, or being a genius, however way well, you want to look at we it. We were little, we knew. So. We were little, we knew. We did, but that's because we learned about in the back of the playground. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we had the fat kid in the back of the playground that taught us everything. Oh. Um, yeah, I and I also love his voice on this song like it's actually he's singing this very very well for these ridiculous lyrics that you think he wouldn't and something that i do criticize some of his other albums for is when he is being goofy he tends to sing pretty goofy and does that weird dylan thing does that weird dylan thing that he does and he doesn't do it's it a way of life. it's a way of life yeah absolutely yep um, and then it goes into Lucille has messed up my mind, which I also <laughs> really love this song. It's too pretty for what it is. <laughs> it's such a gorgeous song. And to me, honestly, this is where the concept album should have just ended. <laughs> just, and I think there's a satire here that was lost on people in this song, because to me, when I listen to this song, I think, man, Joe, you had a one-night stand with this girl. She gave you BD, and you're blaming her for tearing up your heart and saying how much you need her. Like, I look at this song, and I go, Joe's the problem. Yeah, he right? absolutely is the problem. Joe's absolutely the problem. 
I could see where people would listen to this though and be like, like, oh man, yeah, 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 Frank Zappa gets it. Like, oh man, no, 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 no. This isn't like a good breakup song. This is Joe being a fucking creep. Yeah, he's he's blaming somebody else for his. He made the like. This is like you know Zappa. You know, doesn't like stupidity. People should be responsible for what they do. Sort of guy. This is what he's saying. This is you nailed it. Joe is the asshole here. Lucille didn't do anything wrong. Nope. No, in in Zappa's mind, Lucille did nothing wrong. This is on Joe for being a fucking mess. Absolutely. Completely. Like she did put a gun to Joe's head. (coughs) You know, he went out and found her. You know. He went to the Jack in the Box. He went to the Jack in the Box. That's his fault. That's why we don't have Jack in the Boxes in Minnesota, because you get VD. <laughs> put that on your tagline. <laughs> Someone put that on Twitter. Take, take, take Jack in the Box. Um, next, now, so that's album one, Act One, and I, uh, Joe, if it was just that, I, I would say, and I would tell people. Fucking Act One is great. It yeah, really Act is. One, I think, should have just been the album. Honestly, I don't think we needed Act Two and Three. Act Two and Three really don't, add in much. my opinion, don't really add a whole lot. It's just him kind of. I feel like it's padding. I feel like part of it's padding, but I also feel like there was Zappa wanted to say more about the music because part of what was going on at the time is Zappa had a really major concern because in 1979, the Ayatollah had taken over Iran. And this is what people forget. Like, music was getting banned and religion was going through there. People forget. Like, you could go back and look at pre-1979 Middle East and you will see women running around in Western clothing. Um, uh, The Iranian Revolution was... uh, hijacked by the religious extremists it was when you know these kids you know pissed off about the shah Mm -hmm. rightfully so the shah was not a good person but they they sided with the wrong people yep and it's been a problem mess ever since it's been a mess ever since it was like iran pre-79 was a modern not a good place but at least it was modern it was modern yeah, it was. It was a modern, modern place. Not, it was uh, the religious extremists were in the minority. Mm-hmm. They were mostly, you know, outside the cities. But you know, again, to overthrow the the Shah, they kind of made a deal with the devil, and that's what happened. Yep. Yep. So no, completely. And this is this was one of the things that Zappa was one of Zappa's big inspiration for this album. Again, the PM, people forget the timeline and think that this had a lot to do with the PMRC. No, this had to do with the fact that the Middle East was banning music. And Zappa was concerned that that religion was going to spread out. And that kind of, <laughs> rightfully so, very prophetically, thought um, well, that... Yeah, look at today. That's, this is what he saw leading down the road. Like, he saw what was happening today back in the 60s and the 70s, through other things going, oh my God, there is people within the political parties that are going to look at this, emulate it, and push to have this happen, and look at where we are. We have border agents stopping people from Australia demanding to know if they've had abortions or not. It wasn't just 
going on tonight, Randy. I think he, you know, I could, you know, I don't know enough about it, but based on one of the characters, I think he saw what L. Ron Hubbard was doing down in Florida, basically taking over an entire city. Hence the token of my extreme, Joe. Lead yep. us right into it. L. Ron Hoover. L. Ron Hoover. The uh, first church of appliantology. The white zone is for loading and unloading only. Uh, I actually like this song. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Like, again, this kind of like, uh, it's funny, like, whenever people talk about the band Fish, what I, I actually like, they're like, oh, man, they're a Grateful Dead ripoff. Like, no, they, they're jam music is more in line with Zappa than it is with the Grateful Dead. 100%. Oh, man. Joe, yes. 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 Thank you. Like, they sound more like stuff on Joe's Garage than anything the Dead ever did. I completely, completely Because I was listening to this, I'm like, God, this feels like when I went to a a Fish concert. This is is what Fish kind of... They stole stole this sound. So, I did a short-term um, gig at the college radio station in our hometown. And um, it was volunteer. I wasn't paid for it or anything like that. And Park, California. What's that? Uh, what's that? In Canoga Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Canoga yeah, Park with Mary. Um, <laughs> and, and I would, like, I was working one of the night shifts and I needed a pizza. So I ordered a pizza. And when I knew it was coming close to getting delivered, I put on... I put on Adam Hart Mother, followed by David Bowie of my fish. So you had like these two like 20 some minute tracks so I could just sit and eat this pizza and not have to worry about running the booth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Ba- I, like, a lot of like classic rock DJs do that within the God of Vita. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So I, I know your comparisons to Zappa yeah. and, and Fish, and you're right. Fish on. has covered Zappa's songs too, which is mm-hmm. yeah, they're more. Yeah, we'll get to Fish at some point. But oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. We'll get there sometime. So, um, yeah. So Joe decides he's got to get back into religion, and the central <laughs> scrutinizer is like, "Hey, this is what you need to do. Basically, making fun of born against. This is what Zappa <laughs> is doing." And via Scientology, yeah, via Scientology. And uh, so he goes to the mystical advisor who tells him that he has a latent appliance fetishist. And this uh, this is like, again, it's it's so stupid. (laughs) It's so fucking dumb. And this basically is further along. He has an appliance. He has. He starts having sex with it. it has like fucking dildos all over <laughs> short circuits it by peeing on it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yep. It's just like, oh yeah. I mean, this is it. Kind of loses me here, Paul. <laughs> no, let's. I get, I get it. I get it. We're going down this rabbit hole together, buddy. Like, um, you know, like I, I like to figure I'm pretty open minded and all that, but here I'm just like, what? What the fuck's going on? So I. So I'm fine. <laughs> I'll try to tell you what I'm seeing because I think this is almost I mean, I wouldn't compare it to the reverence that we had for Twin Peaks, but I think there's different interpretations that you can have with act two and three of Joe's garage. I'm sure. uh, <laughs> yeah. I personally. So he gets to the point where he's saying, oh, what's my problem? Tell me what what, what can you see? And the, the mystical advisor 
Uh, you have nothing to fear, my son. You're a latent appliance fetishist. And Joe's going, that all seems very, very strange. I never craved a toaster or a color TV. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the mystical advisor, a latent appliance fetishist is a person who refuses to admit to him or herself that sexual gratification, gratification can only be achieved through the use of machines. Get the picture. Are you telling me I should come out of the closet now, Mr. Ron? Yeah. No, you must go into the closet. That's where they all live. Um, and I it, could see this is where people would be thinking he was homophobic. Right. And it's it's not. And the closet is, a. I mean, it. I mean, again, it's. Again, I'm, it's yeah, <laughs> I get it, right? Giving a golden shower to a robot. It's a little, it's a little over my head now, Paul. <laughs> 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 well, and we're going to, I have theories on this, um, but like it, it feels, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I can see but, the argument where it seems like he's diminishing. Yes, I can completely see the argument. There. But like, I don't know if that's what he's going for because I really have no idea what's going on. So I look at this as more of when he this says, hey, this. mystical advisor, <laughs> what's my problem? And the guy tells him, this is your problem. And he goes, I don't know if it is. And then the mystical advisor is like, no, it is. And he's like, oh, okay. Should I like, he's really looking at Scientology and like the mindset of people going to religion where they're going, you know, oh, I'm trying to find religion. And then these religious figures are saying, this is what it is. And they're going, I don't think so. But because they have the authority and this mystique and this clout and they're going, no, I'm telling you, this is what your problem is. People are buying into it. And doing things and falling into things that isn't them because this is what they're being told to do. That's what I feel like is happening here. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm following. So, so where does the, the dildo shows to come into play? <laughs> so, well, we got to get to that because so the central scrutinizer, uh, Joe learns how to speak German. government issued a sex robot appliance. Well, he, he goes to the closet, which they have these appliances that really go for a guy dressed up like a housewife who could speak German. Yeah, so, you know, there's part of a song that's all sung in German. Yep. So Joe, Joe learns how to speak German. He goes to this place and he sees these kitchenette machineries that dance around with each other. And he sees this one that looks like a cross between an industrial vacuum cleaner and a chrome piggy bank with marital aids stuck all over its body and he but burst in the song i don't think people, that's not a term used a lot these days which means dildo. Aids is just a nice way of saying dildo it's a very nice way of saying dildo which is funny coming from zappa and just how blatant he can be with his lyrics then we get to stick it out joe which is partly in german which is something that frank zappa has done um sofa number two um is mostly saying in German and Zappa would, as he'd go around and do world tours, he would actually sing parts of his songs in their language. Um, really, really, you know, again, smart guy. Um, so yeah, we get kind of, Beatles did that. They even released singles in German. Ah, good point. Good point. You know, cause yep. German, for whatever reason, it's the, it's the syllables from my understanding. It's the syllables that that translate. Well, it's not necessarily the words, but it's the syllables. Because I think uh, Monty Python also had, yeah. Uh, they uh, film scenes in German too. In German. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely, they would. So we get "Fick Me, De Miserable Horizon," <laughs> um, <laughs> "Magic to Swine." I love that. Um, Ryan and like Ryan and Rouse. So you don't know what's going on, and then we get 
the robot in a robot voice saying, pick me, I'm clean. I'm also programmed for conversational English, which we learn what Joe has been saying. Fuck me, you ugly son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Magical pig, make it go fast in and out. (laughs) I'm sorry, I find this hilarious. Um, it's it, this is a song that was I'll be honest was kind of thrown in here. This was yeah. one of those ones that 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 he did um, that that he did on stage. This is one of those uh, one of those songs that he did on stage and was kind of thrown into this thing. Um, this leads into how I feel this song and the next song is the repression. What what because. Zappa was very clear. He felt that until people got over the religious stigma of sexuality, we were never going to have a real sexual revolution. It was always going to be this this cookie cutter. Even the BDSM is everything's the same. There is nothing there. Um, and so I think well, what you yes, don't know that until you've. <laughs> He <laughs> golden showered on my fist on my toaster later tonight <laughs> and tell you how that goes for me, Joe. Oh God. <laughs> uh, oh man, we're so canceled. I know, I know. Um <laughs> so this leads to them going to um uh, uh cyborg's apartment because apparently robots in this world <laughs> Yeah, again, this is like a lot of this shit. I'm just, I was following along with the first eight songs, and then this is yep. classic Zappa word, then he'll lose me for like <laughs> a, a large chunk. <laughs> and I think this is a part that loses a lot of people. I'm not even going to try and deny that. So then you get Cyborg, which leads us to this, which is them in the apartment. <laughs> I could see this one being more of the argument of him being where people would say homophobic. <laughs> Um, well, if you could understand what the fuck was happening, yeah. Well, so, uh, so you know, and he talks and like later, you know, you can bluke me, and he goes, "I shared this apartment with a modified gay Bob doll." He goes all the way. Ever tried oral sex with a miniature rubberized homo replica? Uh, no, not yet. Yeah, not <laughs> I love yet. That part. Not yet. And Joe's <laughs> so, just open to whatever. Joe's <laughs> open to whatever, and. So I got to admit, though, when he starts singing Blowjob, it is gorgeous. It's I'm not even going to lie. Like, it is really well sung. Blowjob. <laughs> can you do it without laughing? Like, how the fuck he did this on tape is beyond me. Yeah. Um, well, he fucks up the central scrutinizer stuff, but he does this straight face. He does this all straight face, you know? Um, then, yeah, we get to the part where he's um, bluking too hard. And, you know, he's getting into the bondage and humiliation. And we find out that um, the, ma- the golden shower must have turned out his master circuit. Yeah, he, he destroys the poor robot. Yeah, yeah. and, and <laughs> I, I must have blooped him. Hey, dude. Oh, God. There's like. You know, music, musically and all that, this part doesn't work for me, but I'd love to see John Waters make a movie out of the second part. I would love to just, I was going to say, I want to see someone make a movie out of this album. Like, if any, make a whole movie out of this fucking thing. There is content galore here. Nobody would watch it, Paul. 
I fuck you. I'll buy twenty copies of it. I'll make that'll it. make up for the multi-million I'll dollars budget. <laughs> they got eighty bucks. <laughs> good thing. Good thing. Paul bought twenty of these. Fucking. <laughs> we made we made five hundred or eighty million budget back. Hey, right. I have producer credits on IMDb, sir, for a, a, a Bret Hart movie. So I'm willing to put producer credits on this one. Um, <laughs> so. One thing I will say, there is two things with these songs that I think is really fascinating to me. Number one is he's talking about the word jizz. Don't uh, in back in um, cyborg or back in stick it out. Don't get no jizz on that sofa. Now, what's really fascinating to me is jizz was not a well-known term to the point where Star Wars. <laughs> When George Lucas was asked what style of music the the band is playing in Mos Eisley, he called it jizz music. And I'm not kidding. Show me the lie, Paul. <laughs> so you can re- like that's a true statement. Look it up. Star Wars Wiki. Star Wars Wiki. Jizz me. Like don't go. Yeah, yeah. Don't go to don't yeah Wikipedia. Jizz music. It's what it's called. It's called jizz music. Um, and the other thing that he brought out was this term that people think is new. And it's like when Bootsy Collins was calling people baby mama back in 70s albums. When he talks about this being an X, an XQJ37 nuclear powered pansexual roto blucher. Pansexual is a term that's been around for a long time. Yeah. And people think that it's this new concept oh and, and it's based not off a pan yeah yeah it's well, based it's off greek or what yeah it's some yeah. sort of mythical creature but yeah it's based off pan it's That's based off pan. pan yeah and so i think this is really fascinating and again you could sit there and make the argument of well now he's using the term pansexual so was he really homophobic or did he not just give a shit and he's just saying whatever he's saying? And I always kind of, that's one of those like things. he just didn't give a shit. I, I feel like he did. I think he was too smart to be homophobic. I, I but then again, I should you. assume that he should be, he would have been too smart to be misogynistic. But yeah. people are complicated. We've seen, we've seen that. We've seen that. And I do believe that people can change on a, yeah. on a, on a, on a, on a topic. I, I, and I don't mean like, for political purposes or for like getting out of trouble. I mean, genuinely turn around on ideas. I mean, to be totally blunt, I was raised in a very, very, very religious conservative home. Um, And I turned around my complete way of thinking on a lot of things that were drilled in my head. So, I mean, you can definitely make actual changes without it being cynical. Speaking of cynical, Joe is in jail for pissing on the pansexual. Yeah, yeah they arrested him. They arrested him. And, uh, this concept album was about music. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joe was sent to a special prison where they keep all the other criminals from the music business. <laughs> the ones who snorting get caught. Was a detergent. Yes, yeah, snorting detergent and bluking each other. <laughs> and while he's there, he meets this guy who used to be a promo man for a major for a major record company 
called Bald Headed John, Ken Warner, uh, King of the Blukers. <laughs> and we get Father Riley singing the song with these former execs. Um, boy, Joe, I cannot explain to you why Dong worked for Yuta is on this album. I, I can explain Stick It Out. I can explain Cyborg. I, I, other than it's fact that there was the central scrutinizer saying that the song is about someone being in prison, there's nothing else in the lyrics that talks about it, really. Um, and again, you get to those album, you get that part where now you go, John's got a sausage that will make you fart. I mean, again, yeah. is he being, is he just trying to be humoristic? Is he being... Is he taking a dig? You just don't know because it's juvenile. Yeah, you don't um, know, and he's dead, so we can't ask him. We can't ask him. And gr- granted, if you probably asked him, he wouldn't even tell you. So no, no. So yeah, this one, yeah. this one's a weird one. Outside of the central scrutinizer coming in and explaining things, there is nothing here other than the bookends of the start and end of the song that explains that Joe's in prison and he's getting fucked in prison. Which yeah. which yeah, a lot of a lot of some some anal sex going on here. Well and anal I anal rape, if you will. And I do think Zappa again Zappa was also very critical of the prison system. And I think that this was something that he was like you know, you don't hear but as much going on in terms as it was then, where there was a I mean you do, but it was more like this, as we talked about, like with Lennon and things like that, prison prison systems were very different yeah. than it was there. And a lot of it was, unfortunately, like women in prison movies, like, you know, um, Caged Heat and things like that, except take the women out. Yeah. And this was the way a lot of prisoners, they basically, the wardens and the people were using rape as a means to control the prison population. Let's yeah. just call it what it is. Yeah. So they let the inmates enforce. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you ever watch HBO's Oz, they kind of go into that. Mm-hmm. It's really one of my favorite shows. Uh, it's a great show. And it, it, and it kind of really hits home, like the issues we have with the prison system. And that show's 25 years old now. So, right. Right. God, is it that old still? Oh, yeah. 97, fuck. man. Wow. Wow. Jesus Christ. Then we go right into another song that tells us more about anal. Uh, <laughs> greasy? With even greasy. <laughs> this, one, this one made me feel very uncomfortable, Paul. <laughs> I was Jim. driving around blasting it in my car with my windows down. <laughs> go on. I got Why some did... looks from people when they heard some <laughs> of the lyrics. <laughs> Why does this one make you uncomfortable so much, though, Joe? It really is just... Keep it greasy, so go down easy, roll it over, grease it down, I'll drive you through the heart of town, Joe. What's the problem here? Uh, <laughs> some grease on. <laughs> Not going in dry, Paul. Yeah, you know. Um, again, this one, it's weird <laughs> to me. Um, I feel like a prison thing would have been a, should have been like a whole different concept album for him if he was going to. Well, Touch this subject, I think. And what's interesting to me on this one is the and lyrics. Focus on it more heat than the previous act. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Feels like it only gets. It really only gets like 
what, two songs? Well, I'd see now I this is the thing that confuses me about this one. And maybe there's other Zappa fans on I'm, I'm sure we're gonna get some comments on this one. Um where there's the lyrics where, hey, the good women, they sure have it tough. The good men, well, there's not enough. All the good girls are looking all the time. Good men is something that they can't find. Uh, because if they find one miraculously, they try to be loving as they can be. If they find one and let them go, chances are they'll never find one no more. Like, there's not even discussion about this. It's more like he's discussing the fact that women are putting up with sexual deviances because they think they have a good guy. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, the tone and everything about this song matches absolutely nothing on the album. So, to me, this one is, like, you hear about the filler. Like, this is filler. Again, without the central scrutinizer stuff, even the lyrics at this point go against the story of the prism. Yeah. Yeah. Again, like, it loses me after track eight. Yeah. Well, it doesn't lose me Fully, but you know, I get it where where it does with you. Like I said, we'll go down this a little bit. Like the music's strong, but the story kind of just falls apart for me. Yeah, the music is strong, and I get, and the story does go these weird way. Now you get outside now, and this is where I feel like it starts to come back around. Like Zappa has gotten focus again. Um, these it's just so funny to me. This line right here, and I always giggle when I hear it. These executives have blooped the fuck out of me. What? <laughs> like, like he's such a, you know, like a like a night like a like a sixty sitcom word for fucked, which is blooped, and <laughs> then you go right into blooped the fuck out. Like Jesus Christ, I just it's funny to me. Um, he goes back to the first. He goes back to the second song, which is Joe's Garage. You know, yep. he wants to get back to where he's gone. You know, basically it's. This is an what Zappa felt was more autobiographical, where when he's talking about getting fucked over here, he's talking about the system fucking him, per se, and how he would just sit in there and in this prison and write music in his head and just try and keep himself you know, busy with this music in his head. And it's just him wanting to get out and. You know, so now we're starting to get back into where it is and we get out of of prison. We get in the act three, Joe, with he used to cut the grass. Yeah. Um, yeah the neighbor returns. The neighbor return in his head, no less. Yes. So at well, this point, that much of a biatch. That, that much of a biatch. <laughs> she broke up his band. <laughs> she she called the boss. She was a fucking Karen. Um, <laughs> I'd like to speak to the manager. <laughs> I'd like to speak to your manager, please. Um. So at this point, Joe gets out. We Joe. We don't know how long Joe's been in prison, but I'm guessing if he destroyed a nuclear pansexual robo blucher. He was in jail for a long time because of nuclear. Um, and at this point, um, music has been illegal. And basically, the only music you're getting are loading zones at airports, which has always been kind of a, a thing, you know. So, um, and Joe starts to write music in his head. And even while he's writing music in his head, he is, you're, you're starting to see the thoughts and the, as the Pink Floyd would have called it, the worms in his head 
kind of, you know, beating him down because now he's even hearing the neighbor and what she said about him and what other people were saying about him. And uh, you see that in the next song, Packard Goose, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, which is really at this point, this is Zappa breaking the fourth wall in the album. Right. Like he is calling out Rolling Stone magazine. He's calling out the government. He is calling out everyone, you know, calling out journalism um, as a whole. Um, Joe, what do you feel about Packard Goose? Uh, it, again, it's just like it. this part of the album, this last tale of the album, like musically strong, but it just I, it loses me, mm-hmm. loses my attention. Like I don't. One another one of my complaints with the zap is it's oftentimes very exhausting. Yes, I mean <laughs> it's two and a half very, hours. This is a good out. Al- this is a really good album, but it is exhausting. Completely, Joe. I mean, it's two and a half hours long. It's fucking exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So by the time I got to this, I'm just like, just I just want this to end. <laughs> you know, like this should not have been a triple album. It's tough. It's tough. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um. But I will say, and the, the tracks get longer too, which doesn't doesn't really help with that. Well, you start getting into more of the jamming, yeah, the, ja- yeah, the jamming, and yeah, yep, yeah, the solo work, which is some of Zappa's, in my opinion, best solo work. Honestly, yeah, it's really good. Again, it's fucking it, great. It feels, um, it feels like it's just padding it out to hit that triple album. Yeah, I, to fill out the grooves on on the on the LP. A little bit, Joe. And again, there's people on, on Reddit fans that will agree with you on that. So those are the, the come at come at me. Go to the fucking Reddit and you know, come at Joe. Go to the fucking Reddit and look, there's people who agree with this sentiment. One of the things I will say that Packer Goose has done is this is where one of one of Zappa's what I feel is most used quote comes from, which is information is not knowledge, knowledge is not wisdom, wisdom is not truth. Truth is not beauty. Beauty is not love. Love is not music. Music is the best. Wisdom is the domain of wits, which is extinct. Then people usually lay off the what beauty of French phonetic corruption of a of a short cloth neck ornament currently in resurgence. <laughs> people usually leave that part off of it because it's more profound. Yeah. Um, it's like the Second <laughs> Amendment, you know. You just forget yeah. about the last part of it. Uh, the, the well-regulated militia? Yeah, absolutely. Never heard of that part, Paul. <laughs> we don't. We don't talk about that. We found a. We found something written in, in in like some book that someone wrote that you can't look at that says that that's not what it meant. Um, Jesus Christ. So, yes, um, that is something that has become, I think, a very famous thing, and we get that actually from Mary, who comes back into his head because remember, it's the girl from the bus. Remember last tour, um, which is trying to throw back to the old album, right? I think this is Zappa trying to be clever, like, hey, um, this song, you know, from like six months ago, you know, throwing these things and these nods back to this album because it wasn't all packaged together at the same part. Um, Then we get what is my favorite song on the album, Joe, which is Watermelon in Easter Hay. I adore this. And in... After Frank Zappa's death and over the years, Watermelon Easter Hay has become arguably one of the most loved um, 
solos, uh, songs, guitar solo work of Zappa uh, to the point where even Dweezil Zappa says it's the best one that Frank felt it was the best one he ever did. Yeah, it's incredible. It this is an incredible song. Like this to this to me alone is worth the price of admission. Um, it is the just everything that's going on in it, the guitar work, the bass work, the drum work, everything on this one just works. And again, there's nothing to it other than the central scrutinizer where he fucks up and starts laughing. Yep. <laughs> in yep. The you won't do that well. Why does it hurt when I pee? But yep. Yep. <laughs> he's doing the weird central scrutinizer. He starts laughing. He starts he laughing. He does with the all-around Hoover line. Nope, he doesn't say it with the all-around Hoover line. He doesn't sing it when he's singing blowjob. Um, but he does it here. <laughs> and and what's funny to me is, um, again, I can get this. Like, I can say the reason why I think this song resonates for me is... I remember this feeling for me as a musician when I realized that my band was never going to make another song together. Like this is something that I went through in terms of this exact thing that he's talking about where the, you know, the guitar notes and imaginary vocals exist only in the mind of the imaginer. Um, so he goes back to his ugly little room and quietly dreams of his last imaginary guitar solo. Um, so I think that's part of it to me. Like this, this song to me, just in a general whole, even the Sentinel scrutinizer stuff resonates. But this is also in the line of the story where Joe is resigned. He is taking his beatings. He's taken society and he is now beaten in a way that Zappa feels Religion and government are cookie cutter stamping us. And Pink Floyd touched on this in very different ways, but it's no different than the wall in terms of the beatings that we get through life where we end up at this spot. We are just resigned and give up. Yeah, it reminded me actually more of the end of 1984. Yeah. Winston yeah. Smith uh, get, get leaves uh, the torture mm -hmm. and he's so broken that he finally loves Big Brother. That's kind of like the vibes I got with this. Yeah, 100%. 100%. That's really good. And then you get Little Green Rosetta. This is good. I like <laughs> This is I a good like, way to end the album. It's a great way to end the album. And the one thing that I like the Sentinel Scrutinizer is he goes, as you can see, music can get you pretty fucked up. Yeah. Take, take a tip from Joe. Do what he did. And this is really, you know, get a job at a factory and don't fucking think. And just do what we tell you. Yeah. Like, this is truly the, the nail on the head to the album. And this is really what Joe is, what, what Zappa is saying. I keep saying Joe. What Zappa is saying is they're blaming music for all these other things that is just repression that religion and government are putting on everyone. And then blaming people for reacting to these things and then getting beat down more. I actually um, think it's also part autobiographical of how he felt with the music industry. 100%. You know, yes. like really fuck you up. I mean, uh, his uh, widow just passed away not too long mm -hmm. ago. And, like, that's why his estate, his, the, uh, the Zappa estate was sold. Because he didn't yep. want his family in the music business mm -hmm. anymore. Yep. Like, no, he didn't. Uh, was her name Gail? Uh, uh, was it? I'm not sure, but like, yeah, the, from what I read, it was kind of like, uh, 
that's why they sold like you know his catalog and all that from like I, my understanding is Frank didn't want his family to have to deal with that bullshit anymore. Okay, because basically I, take the money and run sort of situation. Because I know there was the trust. Because they they restarted the trustee at a couple years, like ten years after he yeah. died. His uh, his catalog was just sold like a few weeks ago. Absolutely, yes, it was. Yes, yes, just, just yes, just a few weeks ago it was sold. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, so this like really this and all that shit. Yeah, it was basically get out <laughs> and get your money and get out, and they did apparently. Yeah, yeah, and this was part of also the fight that Dweezil was having with Ahmed and all that stuff that we yeah. talked about last time. We don't even get into all that shit. No, like, no, I'm no, not no. even private to all that. <laughs> and and, that's way too much information. Again, this album's getting pretty exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I'm getting exhausted talking about Well, we've been at it. I feel like I aged 100 years talking about Frank Sapp. Joe, we've been talking for an hour and a half on this two-and-a-half-hour fucking album. Um, so... <laughs> Well, that, I would have had it out if we had some guitar solos, Paul. <laughs> I could, you know, I, I God damn it. I should map some guitar solos. I'll, I'll map some guitar solos in this one. Yeah, sure, I can do that. <laughs> Um, so that is in a nutshell, Joe's garage. Um, let's, and one thing I want to touch on with little green Rosetta, cause I feel like people won't, if we don't bring it up, they're not going to say it. There's hey, this hey, part Paul, where, just piss them off. Well, I just know. piss them off. Uh, <laughs> they're already going to be mad at us anyway. Cause we talked about. <laughs> well, the th- I want to just bring this up is that there's a part where he is somewhat improvising towards the end there. And he's talking, you could tell, you know, Oh, this is for the third world people, and you know this is for you know the Taiwan people who got chumped. This course is for you. Rank tang ding dong. I'm the southern. I'm the Japanese Sandman. Take eight. Wow. Okay, Zappa. Not exactly. You know, again, sign of the times. Um, he talks about you know the people in the fourth world. So you know, again, you know, throwing the record away and that type of thing, and people go, "Oh my God!" But you got to understand again what he's also pointing out is he's when he says for the third world. And he's talking about France and Spain and Mongolia and Taiwan. There was this push at the time that there was concerns that they were they were the government and religion was really cracking down on music as a whole around this time as well. So it wasn't like him like it's not the Trumpism of being like shithole country. It was him pointing out the the politics of them going after music. So and lyrics. Okay, there. Now I'm done. Joe. All right, Paul. <laughs> yeah, Joe. Uh, would you recommend Joe's Garage? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Uh, again, for me, like, 
it's over again it's exhausting my favorite part is the first eight songs that that makes me an amateur whatever so be it uh no, I don't but yeah, I like it. I like it. We're like, whatever. Take your wins, Zappa fans. If somebody likes one song, you should be happy. <laughs> I also recommend the album. Uh, now, I, again, as I do with everything, I always recommend things with a caveat. You are you're getting into a concept album. This is something that is going to, like, you're not going to want to kind of put this on shuffle you are especially the first couple of album, you know, couple of like the first eight songs. Those ones are easy to blow through. It's 40 minutes. It's, you know, you're on a drive to work, blow through it. Um, you know, then get in the act two maybe and blow through that, um, which is another 38 minutes. And then you got another 38 minutes, um, you know, so yeah, it's just, but if you just want to like hear songs, just listen to like Joe's garage, Catholic girls, why does it hurt when I pee? Like, I mean, those are songs you can put on. Mix. Yeah, Lucille, Lucille, Lucille. Can, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could put that. Yeah, you could put those ones on on a mix. Those absolutely. are like stand. Those songs are strong enough to stand on their own and, without uh, without the concept. And I will say, Watermelon Easter Hay goes on yep. every one of my play every one of my playlists every one of my mixes. Watermelon and Easter Hay is on there. Yep. Um, to me, that is the pinnacle of Zappa. Like when when people say, "Why do you like Zappa?" I go watermelon and Easter hay. That is why I'm a Zappa fan, is because of his ability to create music like that. Um, so yeah, do I think Zappa is a very talented musician? Yes. Do I understand why he never got mainstream? Fuck yeah. Yeah, it's very apparent. It's very apparent. And Zappa fans, you should you should realize why that was. Yeah. Um it's not for everybody. It's not it for everybody. And and the thing is, is that what I I do commend Zappa. It's just like it's just like um, John Lennon, right? John Lennon, you know, we talked about this. Where there's things I agree with, but he was a fuckhead in other instances. I completely agree with Zappa on his take on modern music, on modern religion. I completely agree with his thought that hey, why are we only having in America songs that are four, three, four minutes? always the same thing it's boom 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 there's no thought there's no real artistic to it why are we not allowing world music into you know why are we not having arabic music why are we not having south african music why are we not having uh oh. spanish music he said that and then the 80s was full of it so yeah yeah Paul graceland one of the best-selling albums of all time sure just saying peter gabriel Yes, but those saying, were like Peter Gabriel was also, uh, you know, from Europe, sir. So that doesn't, yeah. But Paul Simon, for sure, he brought in some African music, but really, we it never really came over. I mean, we had hip hop and things like that, which we, I definitely would call, uh, you know, uh, or, you know, Af of African um, uh, origin, obviously, with the beats and things like that, and the beats that were used um, in a lot of it, especially in the beginning. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But no, I mean, we never did. I mean, the most we got was what was that song? To Dirk, to Dirk, uh, whatever that one was. Uh, Sting do a lot of world news. I, I, again, I, I think the criticism here with like, it was wildly popular in the United States. Uh, I think this is just nitpicking on him. And again, it's like these bands who like did this with world music were wildly popular. Oh, uh, I don't. Okay. 
I, 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 I somewhat disagree because again, they were popular in, in terms of their groups like Peter Gabriel. Yeah. Okay. In your eyes. Fantastic. But Red Brain never got any play. Other things didn't get any play. So there was this thing out there where it was like, okay, this is a good song. We can't deny it. You know, Toto with Africa, right? Okay. Had a little bit of world music in there. But again, all there, there was. And then when they came around with these other ones, it wasn't really pushed a whole lot. So I think his point was it's like 5 five, 10%. And the rest was, you know, he felt it was punk. Then he felt it was butt rock. Then he felt it was heavy metal. You know, that... There was just this, it was just all derivative of the same cloth, well, is what his criticism you know, was. He was an advert capitalist, and that's what the market demanded, Paul. There you go. You know, so take it for what it is. <laughs> it's a way of life. It's a way of life. You you love it, uh, Joe. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Fuck my life. That was a lot to go down. <sighs> Joe, oh, what? I remember what is- Joe peed on that robot. <laughs> that was such good times. He, uh, that'll, that'll be the one thing that stands out for me on this album. Yeah, is when he is when he uh goes like little, a, yeah, the pink flamingos divine eating the dog shit. Like just, that's just, all. just some some things that just always will always stick out. Yeah, or the chicken fucking, yeah. Um <laughs> yeah, that yeah, with John Waters. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, no, it was really good when he peed on that, when he peed on the 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 uh the poor robot didn't the poor have robot. A the magical pig. <laughs> dildos on it. The dildos on it that looked like an industrial vacuum combined with a pig. Um, just, <laughs> I fucking love the imagery. Because you can exactly picture it. Like this yep. chrome thing. Yeah. Um, so, Joe, <laughs> what, what's going on at the Joe Down? <laughs> I said huh? Joe a lot this, this, uh, this uh, album. We're reviewing, uh, I think, our next movie is Air Bud. It's sports oh, for, month, so. For fuck's sake, yeah. Yep. So we'll be doing that. And I told you before, that's a well you can keep going down. Um, so you got Air Bud, Jesus Christ, on a crutch. All right. <laughs> All right. I mean, there's no, uh, there's no robot fucking in that. <laughs> this thing out um and i'm sorry i keep saying the album was two and a half hours it's 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 an hour and and um yeah. it's an hour and a half i apologize. yeah i was wondering why you kept saying it was two hours. yeah no i did it's an hour and a half and i apologize for that so there's there's a correction right there well, See? according to amazon music it's an hour and 55 minutes okay hour and 55 minutes and we've been so going on two, for about we've been going on for about an hour and 55 minutes on this yeah <laughs> We didn't even have any solo guitar songs. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll add one in there. Just maybe. Start, start patching them in there. <laughs> <laughs> I got some stuff that I've worked on over the years I could throw in there. It'd be kind of funny. Um, so, um, Joe, uh, what are we doing next week? What are we doing next week? Well, what are we Paul, doing next week? Zappa, this album, you know, he takes swings at the record industry. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with a person of a newer generation who has stood up to a record label mm. and kind of fucking flipped it on its head. Um. From an, uh, kind of a surprising source, 
Next week, we are going to be doing Red Taylor's version by Taylor Swift. Ooh, interesting. Taylor's version because, and we'll get into it, she couldn't get the masters back for the original album, so she decided to re-record it and own those masters, and those masters are now considered the definitive versions of her songs. Oh, that's fantastic. Good for her. Yep. All Uh, right. Something I think Zappa would have been proud of. Yeah, 100%. Okay, I'm interested. I have not heard this. So I'm excited to actually listen to it. So we're going to do yeah, I don't know right. if you'll like it, but it's definitely an interesting uh, thing behind the scenes. Yeah. I'm, no, I'm fascinated to hear the story and, and get into it. No, I, you know what? I mean, I've broadened myself. You know, I mean, we did Miley. We've done uh, Beyonce. Uh, Amanda Lear was my favorite female artist that we've done so far. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that beautiful ashtray voice. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That awesome disco concept album. See, you think I'm addicted to white music? I'm addicted to concept albums, Joe. That's my problem. Um, That Lindsey Buckingham wasn't a concept album, pal. You know what? what? If you give me another hour and a half, I'll make it a concept album. I'll talk you into the fact that it was a concept album. All right, buddy. Well, fuck. All right, this has been a long one. Uh, Do you want to take us out? No. This has been Rate That Album with Paul Muadib and Joe Fremming. Thank you for listening.